Welcome to BDO Talks Arissa, a monthly podcast recorded live at BDO. Each month, we'll be talking best practices around all things Arissa, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of Arissa's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's Arissa Services Group and the insights we share through the Arissa Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to another podcast of BDO Talks Arissa. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Beth Garner. I am the National Practice Leader for BDO's EBP Audit Group, and I'm one of your co-hosts for this episode. And sharing co-host duties with me is Joanne Zuska. She's a partner in our BDO Arissa Center of Excellence. Joe, what's up? Not much, Beth. How you doing? Man, it's been a while since I've been able to join you because I've been traveling and you've been doing all the host duties. So before we really get started, I want to say thank you for doing all that by yourself. You're very welcome. But I think the audience is just going to be like, there's a new voice. There's multiple voices this time around. She's not just talking <laughs> yeah. to herself. That's right. So... I do want to introduce our topic today. We were so lucky to be blessed with a book about 401k best practices. It's a guidebook for plan sponsors. And um, our guest wrote the foreword and um, did an additional chapter. And his name is Ty Parrish. And so we're happy to have him. I've known him for years. And so happy to find out that he participated in this book. And so we're going to kind of quiz him a little bit about um, some specific questions regarding the book. But of course, we we like to do a couple of things. First, I've got to talk about Ty's his bio. And he is a partner and practice leader of Saturday Partners Retirement Plan Advisory Group. He is a member of their executive committee, and he has more than 25 years of experience serving institutional clients. He has been recognized as one of the top retirement plan consultants in the country and has helped hundreds of organizations to build world-class retirement plans over his career. He is a frequent speaker at industry conferences, is quoted regularly in trade publications, and serves on several advisory boards. He holds a certified investment management analyst certification, and he resides in Tampa, Florida. And Lord bless us all, he is a Dern um, Florida Gator, but I still like him anyway, because we all know I am a go dogs all the way. So, Ty, you know I have to get that in there. Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, I appreciate y'all having me on and uh, talking about the book and and uh, 401ks and all that, but uh, yeah, you know, right now the Georgia Bulldogs have our number, but we'll be back. Okay, all right, we'll keep tabs on that. Don't worry. We actually had another um, co-worker and he yelled roll tide a couple of times. So let's just say SEC football has been woven in to this podcast more than one time. Good. (laughs) So um, another little tradition that we have is that we like to do a little icebreaker. And so um, Joanne is always fun and she's the one who comes up with um, some of these, but The one that she has laid out today for us is for you to share your superpower. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's a a good one. Um, I actually know what it is off the top of my head. It's um, 
it, I have the uncanny ability to get the best parking spot wherever I go. And, uh, I believe I'm, I'm surprised my wife's annoyed by it because she benefits from it quite a bit, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's my superpower. I, I really get good parking spots everywhere I go. All right. I have a follow-up question. I know most people still do still do their shopping. They prefer to do it online. But does the superpower work during the holiday season? I don't go out during the holiday season. For that. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my department. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> So my superpower only benefits me and no one else. I have the wonderful ability to sleep anywhere at any time. So you're taking a flight. I am usually out like a light before they're even done with the, you know, security video and how to make sure you're safe in the plane. I'm out like a light and it's a beautiful thing. You should have taken my flight to to India. A couple of weeks ago then because you could have slept the what unlike me where i had to like knock myself out okay my superpower and i don't think that my like joanne you said it only benefits you and and ty you say that this benefits your wife i'm not sure that my family thinks this is a benefit but i can read people and kind of figure stuff out and so my children regularly call me the cia because i can figure out what they've done wrong before they fess up. So I'm not sure that's a that's a that's a gift for me, but not a gift for them. No, so, not at all. <laughs> not for 16 year old boys. Uh-huh. So now to get down to business. Before we talk about the guts, the inside, and the things that are written in here, how you know, inquiring minds want to know. Um, what made you want to co- get involved with the book or how did you get involved with the book? Um, can you touch on those two things for us? Yeah, sure. Um, happy to. Uh, so um, a good friend of mine, Matt Nabasic, who actually wanted to be my business partner at Blue Prairie Group, um, he actually wrote a book a long time ago called Smart Choices at the beginning of his career. And as he was winding down, he just retired here last September. Um, he wanted to I guess, pardon the pun, have a bookend of another book and wanted to write this and asked me to get involved with it and help him edit it. And as well as as it grew, I wound up uh, writing a couple of the chapters and so forth, the forward. And and so this really has the uh, our fingerprints all over of how we think and how we consult. All right. So now that you've admitted that your fingerprints are all over the book and it does have a lot of great insight into it. I. What we want to know is what questions or what comments do you get most often um, from plant sponsors or those individuals that you're interacting with on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're mostly dealing with committees. We have other folks dealing with um, participants. Um, so the, the questions I get the most are really around risk. You know, we're seeing a lot of litigation, um, you know, almost every other day on retirement plans. And so they want to know that they have met their fiduciary responsibilities and that they're doing everything they can to mitigate risk. And so, you know, we assure them that they are by following a a good sound process. So one of the chapters that you were involved in was the power of a good advisor. So before we kind of dive into that, uh, what is, how do you define a good advisor? 
I, I think the short answer really is just they make the plan better. Um, you know, and, and you can look at it in a lot of different ways. Um, we like to do it quantitatively to say, are we actually moving the needle um, relative to retirement readiness and reducing risk? And so we actually we actually developed our own system to do that uh, over a decade ago. And so every year we kind of score our plans relative to um, how the best plans in the country are doing. And as a result, we can um, work with the committee to make sure we have world-class retirement plans. So along those lines, I mean, obviously we play in a in a wide variety of a, of a space of plans that we audit, really, really small that just went over, you know, the threshold to some that have, you know, thousands and thousands, um, um, hundreds of thousands of participants. I know I don't have any clients that do that they don't they have an advisor. I mean, do you really come across plans at this juncture that do not have an advisor? And before you answer that, I want to add on to it because you mentioned that you most interact with committees. And so I think I also want to know, um, do you, do you usually get involved with plans that don't have a committee or just starting out with a committee? Man, we're giving you a two punch today. I know. No, I know. I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, on occasion, we run across a plan that it doesn't have an advisor. Um, and usually when we do, there's a lot of things we can help them with. And um, and so, and, and as you know, I mean, anytime there's any litigation where there's not an advisor involved, the, and the courts have always said, you need to get one. Um, and so... I think it's something like 80, 85% of all plans have advisors. Uh, now there's a spectrum of advisors. We're going to talk about how to identify, you know, what we believe to be a good one is. But, um, you know, I think even in the small plan side of things, um, you know, I think there are, uh, I actually do think that people reach out to who they know at the time, right? It might not be somebody who is in this area, but it might be their personal financial advisor or their benefits broker, or someone like that um, to help them get started, um, you know, to get the plan in place. And and many times, you know, you see folks like us who are more dedicated and niche niche players in the space and the plan, you know, starts to grow. Um, you know, obviously there's more litigation risk and other things going on. And so they get us involved to kind of help to institutionalize, you know, the, the plan so that it's low cost and, um, you know, have, has a strong governance process. So then Joanne asked, you know, do you have any that doesn't have a committee? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know, I'd say we do run across plans that haven't had a committee in the past. And and then we, you know, we, we're our, our best practice. You should have a committee um, and, and a charter to make sure that you have, you know, delegated the responsibilities correctly and that. Um, everybody who's making decisions realizes what their roles are. And so, but on occasion we do. And then obviously with the, you know, with PEPs becoming more and more popular, um, you're seeing, you know, that um, function maybe dissipate a bit on on giving up the responsibility. And so I think that's yet to be determined, like how often does a committee like that? Do you need a committee? Do you stay involved? Obviously there's oversight there that needs to happen. 
So who's actually providing oversight? So I think even if you go to a PEP, you probably should still have a small committee that's providing some oversight. Yeah, I mean, I think PEPs are, are a, a good vehicle. My concern is what you just said, though, is, hey, I signed up for this PEP. I got a PPP. I'm done. That's right. And that's just, yeah, you can't just sign a piece of paper and your fiduciary duty is gone. So I'm interested to see what happens in the industry as we head on down the road with PEPs being, you know, in place for, for a while. And then you have some that understand that, hey, I might have signed the piece of paper, but I still have a fiduciary duty and others that think that they've washed their hands of that. That's right. So along those lines, you know, say somebody doesn't have an advisor, what process would you say in, in your experience is the best way to find an advisor? Yeah, I mean, there, there are certain, you know, um, different ways you can go about it. I mean, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, certainly if you have uh, either, you know, uh, outside risk counsel or, or, you know, attorneys, you can ask them, your benefit brokers, um, you know, other other employers in your network of people that you work with uh, could probably turn you on to, you know, who is out there. Um, we're seeing a trend of, of folks where there are the consultants who hire the consultants too, where um, you know, people are outsourcing uh, that function to help them find advisors if they're not familiar with um, who to hire. Um, you know, they're putting their consultants through due diligence process, especially if they're paid from the plan, which makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you touched upon two things that you talked about made uh, a good advisor, right? Reduce risk and retirement readiness. Can you touch upon those? Because those are two big areas that I think sometimes committee members think of them as separately and put maybe more importance on one than the other and why both of them are important. Sure, happy to. Yeah, I think... To us, you know, and I've been doing this for almost 30 years now, I've boiled it down to those two areas. It's everything that we uh, do now, we look through those lenses. Um, it's how do we reduce risk or how do we put more people on track for retirement? And, you know, when I think about, um, you know, minimizing risk, it's, you know, I think plan sponsors are looking for someone to be their trusted expert on all retirement plan matters. Um, to make sure that we, you know, we stand within the line, stay on track, we're following the rules, we're not missing anything. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, too, is, you know, uh, anything you can do to take, you know, work off my plate, that also helps reduce, you know, uh, chances for error. And so outsourcing more and more to, say, record keepers and to firms like us is something that they want to do. And so, you know, Helping them to navigate that and how to properly set up the governance and make sure everything's in place and that we're following, you know, best practices and documenting everything is really important. And um, in many cases, when you see people call to the carpet um, on various, you know, litigation, it's because they don't have the backup and they're not able to demonstrate the process that they went through. And so for us, it's super important to document everything we do so that people know that when we made decisions, we did it with eyes wide open. Um, we had a prudent process and we had a vibrant discussion. And then turning to maximizing retirement readiness, 
you know, I, I see all of my career. I mean, this used to be where we wouldn't even talk to participants. You know, it was just really focused on committees. But I'd say in the last 10 years, there's been a, 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 a major switch. And, 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 and employers now are requesting that we work with their, with their employees. And so I think, you know, at the end of the day, they just want their employees to be able to retire on time. I mean, we're seeing, um, you know, a lot of seen studies that, that show that if you're, you know, if you don't, you know, really help them to retire on time, you know, people hang around and there's actually a real cost to that um, as far as um, older workforce, higher healthcare costs, higher compensation. Um, there's also that, you know, glass ceiling where you see folks that uh, are hanging on. And so the, the younger generation isn't able to move into those seats. And so many times people are at risk or you know, losing key folks because they have nowhere to promote them to. And so that's exactly, yeah. I think that's a real important uh, thing, even though we're super focused on the short term, um, those are some long-term things that I think are, are important. And then I think really at the end of the day, it's reducing financial stress increasing productivity. And, you know, when you when you see the surveys out there, the thing that most employees say they want the most is they just want somebody they can ask questions of and get advice from. And so that's a role that we've filled um, in the, I'll say in the last, you know, five to seven years where, you know, we have an unbiased fiduciary obligation to provide, you know, advice to to participants. And, and that's something that a lot of our clients ask, ask us to do. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, if, if, if you read from an audit standpoint, you know, committee minutes, there there's some information on the, you know, notes about who participates, how many percentages, et cetera. But I think it's from a more of a litigation lens than it is from a retirement readiness lens. And I think that um, in the world that we're in today, we do need to shift over to that retirement readiness because, um, you know, nothing's getting cheaper, healthcare's going up, you know, et cetera. So we're just in a world that people are going to have to pay more attention to their, their participants. And that's why I think, right, the 401k best practices, a guidebook for plan sponsors yeah. is, is very important. And so, Ty, we want to end with this question. Um, what's the biggest takeaway from the book? Yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaway is that, um, you know, pay attention to your to your retirement plan. It, there really are some things that you can do as a plan sponsor along, you know, uh, with a good advisor um, where you can make tweaks to it that can really have a major difference for your long term success um, that can put people on track um, to a successful retirement. Um, and, and really important, everything from. Uh, plan design to how you structure your investments and you using behavioral finance techniques to make sure that you're giving people adequate opportunities to diversify, but not to overwhelm them, um, to make sure that the that your advisor that you work with is holistic and they're not just focused on one aspect of the plan and that they, you know, they're, they really can consult in all aspects, vendor management and fees and all of that. And um, that's super important because you know, my experience is that if you have someone who's focused in one particular area, they tend to, you know, try to show their value there. And many times it's pretty common for us to see an, an investment menu that's over-engineered. Um, and so right. 
you know, taking a step back and just saying, how do we simplify this? If our goal is, and I ask this question many times to our plan sponsors is, if the goal is to put as many people across the finish line, how would you design this plan? And so we look through that lens when we're building menus and we're building the plan design. So all I'll say to finish with this is that I just think that um, take a harder look at your plan. This book is really designed to help lay out what you should be looking at. And, and if you do you kind of follow the, you know, the, the, the blueprint here, um, you will have a, a, a world-class retirement plan. No pun intended because the cover is blue. <laughs> 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 That's right. My favorite you. color, Beth. You know, I, orange and blue, Beth, are just two of my oh, favorite please, colors. Oh, please, please, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ty, thank you, seriously, um, for, for joining us today. Plan sponsors do need to check this book out, and it's 401k Best Practices, a guidebook for plan sponsors. And I'm going to let you say Matthew's last name because I don't want to mess it up. Matt Basic, Silent G. Okay. Silent G. Okay. And um, I also want to tell um, people that are listening, if you did not get that, we understand you can um, kind of listen to it again. But if not, you can email us, videotalksarissa at video.com. And so we will answer that and uh, help you get that book. Everybody listening, thank you for joining us today. As you can tell, we certainly love talking about retirement and retirement plans and anything that is happening across this um, HR industry. So our BDO ERISA Center of Excellence on BDO.com touches on all topics retirement and other HR trends to keep plan sponsors up to date. Thank you for listening to BDO Talks ERISA. Past episodes and information about how to join us for our next live recordings are available at bdo.com slash bdotalksarissa. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit bdo.com slash erissa.com.